everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats Podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here in Liberty to the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Bouncer. And yeah, we got quite a bit to talk about today, but we're going to just go ahead and open it with the happy stuff, starting with the all Big 12 team, including those who are on the first team, which is just Cooper Beebe and Ben Sinnott. Second team consisted of Austin Moore, Will Howard, Kobe Savage, and Claude Duke. And then we had a whole bunch of honorable mentions, such as Jack Bloomer at punter, Philip Brooks at kick returner. Claude Duke was honorable mention for defensive lineman of the year. DJ was honorable mention for running back. Hayden Gillum was honorable mention for offensive line. Will Howard was Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year honorable mention. Same, uh, Avery Johnson was Offensive Freshman of the Year. Will Lee, honorable mention, defensive back. KT Leviston, honorable mention, offensive lineman. And then defensive player of the year, honorable mention to Austin Moore. So, pretty decorated team, (laughs) you could say. You had the two obvious ones to me, which were Cooper Beebe and Ben Sinnott. I imagine, yep, there's more on the honorable mentions, my fault. Honorable mentions, Brendan Mott, Jacob Parrish, Seth Porter, Des Purnell, Austin Romaine, Uso Sayamalo, Marquis Siegel, Chris Tennant, Treshawn Ward, and Carver Willis. I think that's it. Okay. <laughs> so, pretty decorated team. You had the obvious ones. And Cooper Beebe and Ben Sennett, excuse me. I will say that I, I don't think there are any really big surprises in terms of who made the second team either. I believe uh, Dylan Gabriel won first-team quarterback. I think so. Because it was might have been another example of he was just one of the very few who stayed healthy the entire year. <laughs> that probably was it. But I don't think there's any really big surprises. You know, Cooper Beebe is the best interior offensive lineman in the country. Ben Sinnott is undoubtedly a top three tight end in the country behind Brock Bowers and a healthy Jatavian Sanders. Austin Moore, though, I do think that he sort of took a step back from the beginning of last year. He was still a really good linebacker. Will Howard, up and down season, but still pretty good. Kobe, whenever he made that position switch after the Mizzou game, was awesome. And Kula Duke had, he was pretty high up there in the Big 12 rankings for sacks. So, you know, I I don't think that there are any, like, big surprises, big snubs here either. Yeah, I, that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, I don't know what I would have changed uh, looking up and down the uh, the list. Um, I I mean, DJ Giddens, I can't really even argue, should have been on first or second team just because of how many great running backs were in the Big 12 this year. Yeah. So it's tough to say much of anything, honestly, uh, in terms of anything that we're particularly upset about. I think the list is pretty good. Normally that we have some gripes or some major snubs, but I I think this is pretty fair. Yeah, I think it's I think it's more than fair. That's pretty much all I had to say about the all Big Twelve team, unless you have anything to add. Nope, I had nothing else. Alright. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is transfer portal season. <laughs> And uh, trust me, there there are a lot of names here, and we're going to mention all of them, or at least all of them that we could remember, but you know, no offense to the people that we don't spend a lot of time talking about, but we're, we're going to focus on a few names. So top to bottom, this isn't in any particular order, uh, Shane Porter, Trey Ingram, Jordan Perry, Colin Dunn, Christian Moore, 
Wesley Watson, Jordan Wright, Treshawn Ward, Will Lee, and Will Howard. So, uh, Shane Porter, that hurts for special teams. Trey Ingram hurts a little bit for depth. Jordan Perry hadn't played yet, but you and I, I think you and I both had him ranked very highly in our uh, recruiting rankings. Colin Dunn's a line, he was an undersized linebacker. Christian Moore was our last true fullback and a really nice guy. Uh, Wesley Watson was, I I don't want to be rude, but he was like the consensus fourth receiver in a class where we took four receivers. Um, Jordan Wright, that hurts for corner depth. Treshawn Ward hurts running back depth a little bit. Will Lee was certainly our most talented corner this previous year. And then, of course, the the big one in in Will Howard. So the line that I kind of want to start talking about here is pretty much at Jordan Wright and below. <laughs> so you want to you wanna start with Jordan Wright? Yeah. Uh, Jordan Wright was somebody that I was a little surprised we didn't see more of this year. We didn't really rotate on the back end as much of the season as I thought we would. Because uh, he was pretty talented coming out of junior college, and he's played he played some last year and he played some this year, uh, so I'm a little disappointed to see him go because I I think that there was definitely a role for him on the team next year, but I think next year might be his final year of eligibility. It is, and I don't think he was going to start next year because I I think that his best shot would have been. Uh, to take one of these starting corner spots from Jacob Parrish or Keenan Garber. And I don't think that would happen. So if he wants to start, he's not going to do it here, most likely. Either that or he's going to have a meteoric rise in the offseason. Uh, but for what I imagine his goals are, which are to play more, I'm not super surprised um, by this outcome. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm super surprised by it either, especially given the fact that, you know, he sort of, uh, he sort of sat in between, uh, he sort of sat in between safety and corner position. I'm also just realizing I forgot to put the other two quarterbacks on there, and uh, Jake Rubley and Adrian Lara. Uh, that just tells you that Avery's the guy. <laughs> Uh, that's really all I have to say there. You know, Adrian Lara had a missile for an arm, and Jake Rubley was probably one of the more, like, instantly pro-style, pro-ready quarterbacks that K-State had. But Avery's the guy now, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. But Jordan Wright, uh, he sort of bounced around between safety and corner this year. And I think the staff just kind of, I don't want to say they don't know what to do with him, but I think that they were struggling to find, like, a true spot where he fit in most. That doesn't not make this a loss, because I actually do think it's a, it's a pretty substantial loss. Um, but yeah, all, all the best to Jordan Wright, naturally. All the best to all these players. Like I don't hold any ill will towards people who, who transfer out, no pun intended for the later transfers. But next up is Treshawn Ward, who was... I, I Did he start the season as RB1, or was it an or situation? I think it was an or. I think it was an or situation the entire year for Treshawn uh, or at the very least the beginning of the year, it was pretty clear that DJ was the number one guy uh, by the end of the season. Uh, I will miss Treshawn. Um, I, I liked having him around. Uh, he was um, he had some really great moments and a few really good touchdowns. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was clear that DJ Giddens was the superior back. And I think Treshawn, when he left Florida State, was wanting to be the, the guy. The guy. And I think he came here thinking he could beat out DJ Giddens. 
And he did enough to deserve a lot of carries, but he didn't quite do enough to separate himself. And DJ Giddens ended up having a more successful year than him in both the run game and the pass game. So if Trayshawn wants to go be like a number one option for running back and wants to get number one running back in IL, then more power to him. I'm not really too upset by this because if you if I had to choose between losing DJ or Trayshawn, I'd choose Trayshawn. Um which a lot of that I think stems from I think that uh, Joe Jackson, uh, the freshman tailback, where Ace and I are both very high on Joe Jackson, and I think he can step in and replicate some of what Trayshawn did, and I think DJ is ready to be a full like a more feature back. Yeah. So I, I'm still gonna miss Trayshawn because I liked his playmaking ability. And it was nice to have a change of pace back that had a different skill set than DJ Giddens. But he isn't irreplaceable. No. So I'm not I'm not losing my mind over Trayshawn leaving. But I am just, I'm a little disappointed. But I get it. Yeah, it, it's another situation where I get it. Though if I had to pick any of the, the scholarship running backs to lose, I'd probably pick Trayshawn. Just because he's further along in his eligibility. And I also really, really like Joe Jackson. <laughs> I, I think Joe Jackson was like second or third in my recruiting rankings. He yeah. was high up there. Yeah, and we saw a little bit of him this year. <clears throat> I think he was hurt for a while in the he middle of the hurt. season. He was hurt for the, a lot of the season. Plus, it was you know running back. It was the same yeah. thing that DJ had where he had to learn the playbook yeah. a little bit. Plus, he, I think, was probably at one point after he was back from injury, RB5 yeah. behind... DJ, Treshawn, Tony Frias, and then Shippers as well. Mm, Jimmy. James. Owen LeJames. So, yeah, he was RB6 for a while. But I don't think that's because of a lack of talent, mainly just because of learning the playbook and needing to get up to D1 speed, which I think he could probably get there pretty quickly. I think he may already be there. I think it's just a matter of him getting healthy. But... I think it's health and playbook knowledge. Yeah, so I'm hoping that we get to see a little bit of him in um, the bowl game, but it depends on his health. I'm not sure if he is healthy or not, but if he is, I'd love to see uh, some of him. I bet we'll see some Tony Frias, assuming he sticks around, uh, which is not a sure thing because he won't be the guy next year. So, But, yeah, I... And uh, if anything's to go on by recent follows, or maybe another running back, wink. But, <laughs> uh, man, I, I love when people track Twitter followers. It's really funny. But next up is Will Lee. This hurts a lot, actually. Because next year we're in a situation where our starting corners are Jacob Parrish and Keenan Garber, who are two monster athletes. I still think Jacob Parrish is more technically far along than Keenan Garber, but I don't think either of them are true like alpha dog corners in the way that Will Lee is. And I think that with the exit of Will Lee, that's a skill set that we're really going to miss unless Tyler Neelam really steps up. First off, steps up, and B, doesn't leave. But yeah, Neelam would probably have to step up or... Either that or Darrell Jones' season, boys. Yeah, um, either that or one of those young true freshmen. Uh, Donovan, Donnie. Yeah, Knigel or Donovan McIntosh. 
one of those guys will have to step up. But yeah, I think Will Lee is maybe the biggest loss in general. Because uh, I think we expected Will Howard to leave. So I, I don't count that a lot, especially given that Avery Johnson's right there. But I think in terms of unexpected losses, Will Lee, I mean, in terms of talent and impact of the room, I think uh, the loss of Will Lee is arguably the biggest. Uh, just because of how talented a corner he was. And uh, he definitely had some uh, brutal moments um, late in the season. But for probably the first two-thirds of the season, he was the best corner on the team, and it wasn't really close, I thought. Um, He still had some issues here and there, but very, very talented corner that is definitely staying at the power five level can probably go to a mid to high level sec program i think in terms of his talent and another thing we'll miss with willie leaving is a corner with uh, his size Uh, another tall lanky corner like julius brents that was another thing that made him really valuable uh and if we go forward with jacob Parrish and keenan garber we'll have one very undersized corner and then one corner who is pretty slight uh, in Keenan Garber and also just doesn't have as much experience. Although for his lack of experience, he makes up for an athleticism and uh, effort, I yeah, guess, effort. because he's, he's, cause he really is quite good given that he's been a corner for a little over a year. Yeah. He played corner in high school, but we're also forgetting uh, Justice James and Justice James, who I, who I do have a lot of, a lot of faith in, if not just for his post pass breakup celebration. <laughs> Yeah, I do like Justice James uh, quite a bit as well. But I think one of those younger guys can step up. Maybe we'll finally see Darrell Jones. Uh, but um, some of these defensive backs leaving, it does open the door for maybe some of the safeties who didn't see this much either, like Daniel Cobbs and the Kendra Steiger, who we saw Cobbs sparingly at points this year, and we saw Steiger sparingly at points this year and last year. But he's someone that's just kind of been hanging around on the fringes of the two deep that I do think is pretty talented. But and that also goes for Cobbs, who I think we really need to be a part of the rotation next year. Yeah. But I, I digress. You and I were both really high on Cobbs. We thought it was just Kobe again. Yeah, which hopefully he is. And I think he's we, faster. <laughs> yeah, hopefully he is, and we just have a stacked safety room uh, that is, a, or at least a stacked one line, so we're not seeing him as much. Yeah. All right. Here's the big one. The one that Connor and I knew were was happening for, I think we knew, like, what, a couple days before Iowa State happened. We just didn't say it because it was paywalled information. Will Howard has played his last game as a K-State Wildcat, and... Credit to the K-State fan base, none of the... The really bad ones were out and about as soon as he transferred. It it seemed a lot a lot of respect was given to Will Howard, which he deserves. But uh, upon last checking and on date of recording, which is November 30th, uh, he's ranked as the number one player in the transfer portal. Uh, courting offers from places like Kentucky, Louisville, Missouri, Auburn, Washington. You know, big places, big schools. Um... This sent the message that Avery was going to be the guy next year, and he always was going to be. I don't think there's any ill will between the staff, and no pun intended. I don't think there's any ill will between the staff and Will Howard. 
I think Will just saw the writing on the wall and said, okay, like this is, this is what's best for me. And Will Howard will go down as one of my personal favorite players uh, in K-State history. Honestly, he may have shot up to one. Uh, I'm not sure if I'd have to sit down and think about if he overtook Alex Barnes. But, you know, obviously you wish all the best to Will Howard. Uh, everything that he did for this program, he's leaving the program as the career passing touchdowns leader, tied. Did he tie or break the single season record? I think he tied it. Yeah, he tied it, so. And, of course, he helped lead us to a Big 12 championship last year. And although this season had ups, it had downs, you know, had Will at his best, had Will at his not-so-best, it's it still can't be understated what Will Howard did for this program, and uh, you can kind of tell that I'm I'm sad to see him go, but I understand why he had to. Yeah, I think he. If we're talking about favorites, he might be my personal favorite. I'm not saying he's the best case state player ever, but I think he might be. I think he's probably my favorite, uh, at least at quarterback. I think from my lifetime. Um, I am not shocked at all by Will entering the portal. Like you said, I think it was pretty clear to all parties involved that it, it's time for Avery Johnson. And that's not a dig at Will at all, but just that Avery Johnson does bring something special to the table. And that's not, it's not something that you can waste years of. Uh, I think that will hopefully will be looked at more fondly um, over time. I think that I think that's already kind of starting because I, 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 I really, really enjoyed uh, watching Will Howard's career. It's one of the more satisfying career arcs, I think, for any K-State player I've seen. Um, because, I mean, it does embody just, I mean, the, the underdog story in a lot of ways. Uh, but I'm, I am going to miss him, but I, I've been kind of preparing for, for this for a while. Uh, I think that even as far back as like the Texas Tech game, I think we, I think it was becoming pretty clear that this is probably Avery's team after this season. And that's okay. And I, I mean, Will gave four seasons of uh, of football, and I think in aggregate, like two and a half seasons of starting. Yeah. So I think that's plenty. I, I think that's more than most players ever give to a school, and it's going to become even more rare to see players like Will because it's not often to have a a guy that plays in four consecutive seasons um, and starts in four consecutive seasons for the same team and have two of those years be at a very high level. Uh, So it's pretty unusual in a lot of ways. But I think Will gave everything that he had to K-State, and I think he's absolutely earned the right to have a graceful exit and go on to finish out his college career somewhere else or enter the NFL draft. I, it's been reported that he may just enter the draft. Um, I I 
would prefer him to enter the NFL draft, mainly because I think it'd be kind of weird to see him playing for another squad. But at the end of the day, that's all right if that's what he decides to do. I hope that we don't face that other team. I, I would not want to, to deal with that. But I'm still looking forward to the future uh, with this. You know, it's, it's bittersweet seeing Will leave, but that's okay. I He gave four years to K-State, and I... I think we left on a, a decent note, even though the last game wasn't great. Uh, he, we had a good season this year. And I think Will did about everything he could in most of the games. So It's really hard for me to to like not get sappy about Will, just like watching him and how he grew throughout his entire time at K-State. And it is going to be weird seeing him in another uniform. Uh, you said that you hope he enters the draft. I have two favorable outcomes, one of which you've you've made very clear to me that you hate the idea of, so I won't share it. But <laughs> it has to do with one of the schools I mentioned earlier being interested in him. <laughs> but, you know, obviously all the best all these players in. Will has left K-State probably as my favorite K-State Wildcat of all time, and certainly the best. Like the my favorite since we've started the show, just watching how he grew. But uh, I believe there is there are one or two published offers uh, from K State regarding the transfer portal. Uh, we're only going to cover the one I think, and it's the uh, UTEP receiver who was averaging like twenty one yards per catch at yeah. UTEP. Yeah, his name's Kelly Akari, and he has had two seasons now at utep was a junior college teammate of kobe savage and this year he's got 48 catches for 1033 yards seven touchdowns and yeah averaged 21.5 yards uh, per reception and uh, was generally uh, pretty consistent he only had uh three games under 50 receiving yards uh this entire year and he finished the season of the last uh Four games he played in were all 100-plus uh, yard nights. And he also had a eight-catch, 223-yard performance against uh, FIU at uh, one point. And I think it's notable to say that he did all of this with a very bad quarterback room. <laughs> that he had, um, I think, four different quarterbacks complete a pass to him at one point or another. Uh, there were two main guys, but uh, he was not getting consistent quarterback play both in terms of quality or uh, who even, who the person even was. Quantity. Yeah. <laughs> so he um, um, had a, a pretty impressive season, all things considered, when you break it down like that. I think he uh, hopefully will come to K-State. I think right now he has another Power 5 offer from Mississippi State, if um, I'm remembering correctly. But he, he's pretty talented. I think, and hopefully some of the K-State connections between UTEP's, I guess now former staff, uh, and uh, K-State, hopefully those will pay some dividends here because uh, receiver talent is definitely something that K-State needs. You know, we're, we've been pretty fine at receiver, refined to not fine uh, for a while. <laughs> uh, K-State's peaks have still not even been middle tier uh, talent for receiver rooms um, in the Big 12. So I think adding an instant impact transfer with proven high-level production 
would be massive, especially uh, if uh, Avery um, wants to hit the ground running in the uh, passing game next year. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are other people to watch, but for all that, we'll just say subscribe to KSO. I think they just got done with a special. Uh, go on the foundation thread for transfer portal interest. Don't go anywhere else. It's not worth it. But <laughs> just watch the transfer portal interest thread. That's all you need. But that is pretty much it for the transfer portal. Now we can talk about even more bad news, and that is <laughs> the Volley Cats missing the tournament. And this was a season that you and I talked about it. We didn't want it to be over, and we're really sad that it is. I this, but unfortunately, we were one of the first. I think we were third first out. Yeah, or something like that. I, I think I've heard a few different people say different things, but the only consistent thing is that we were definitely in the first four teams out, uh, which is reminiscent of I think a couple of years ago where we were one of the first four out. So it's uh, been kind of tough sledding uh, for K-State Volleyball in the last few years, but I do think this year showed a lot more promise than any season has in recent memory. Yeah, we got RPI'd again, by the way. Yeah, we did get RPI'd again. Uh, we finished, I think it was in the high 50s and like the 57-ish area uh, for RPI, which... I do think that we were pretty set on the Houston matchup being pretty much a win-and-in sort of game yeah. uh, for K-State. Uh, but K-State was unable to finish that game. They won the first set, but just weren't able to hold on. And that just really stinks because there's so much talent on that roster. And they're a squad that very clearly got so much better. Uh, in a short period of time, uh, they were a completely different team from uh, their first game and that first like weekend uh, against Nebraska, Omaha, and Nebraska. Uh, which, also, funnily enough, on the, um, Omaha, they're a tournament team themselves. And You should not have told me this information because now I'm angry again. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, a few teams at K-State beat um, Gowden. Like, we beat TCU um, at one point and... TCU finished with the worst record in K-State by a bit. Uh, they went like 15 and 13, and they made it in. But I, I think if you go down the RPI line for at-large bids, it basically was like they just plucked the order from RPI and inserted them into the tournament. So really disappointing again, but K-State dropped some games that they shouldn't have, uh, like to Lipscomb, and on the road to Oklahoma, probably needed to take one of those uh, matches against KU on the road and uh, shouldn't have lost at Cincinnati at home. But the one good thing that comes from that is a few lights of fuel under you for the following season, and it makes it very, very clear what you need to do to get into the tournament the following season which is to schedule better teams that's it this is the exact script that we had for the bat cats last year yeah if this is sounding like an echo chamber or if there's an echo in the room you just stop me but yeah you're you're absolutely right this is nearly identical to the bat cats missing the uh ncaa tournament and being in the first four out almost exactly the same 
They just had one too many bad losses uh, in the uh, season. And despite being really strong and having some fantastic wins, there were some teams that they beat that got in ahead of them when KC was probably better. Oklahoma. Yeah. And Tulane, but that was not our bid. Yeah, yeah, Tulane was just weird. Tulane making the tournament when they were like 19 and 40. That was just strange. Because they won the American Conference Tournament. I'm just saying, it should have been us getting blown up by East Carolina, not Oklahoma. It probably should have been. But, yeah, so same story. And I don't think there's much Mansfield could have really done. Because I think a lot of times schedules like that, a lot of it is done a year out. So he was probably working with the schedule he had. So I don't really hold that against Mansfield, but he knows what to do for next season. That's to put together a, a tougher non-conference schedule. Not necessarily one where you can't beat anybody, but you need a few more games against maybe some more mid-major opponents, uh, a few high majors mixed in there uh, other than Nebraska, and uh, um, just, perform more, um, just perform at a higher level earlier in the season. And also, similar to K-State baseball, we need to do better on the road. Although K-State baseball did have like a better year than they had in the past on the road last year. Yeah, which wasn't, I mean, they were off It wasn't the saying road, much. But... <laughs> yeah, it wasn't saying much, but... So this is a volleyball squad that made a notable step up, has a lot of returning talent, uh, supposedly has a good recruiting class coming in. I, I don't know where to get volleyball recruiting information other than just like when the team tweets out who they signed and <laughs> i don't know how to evaluate volleyball recruiting prospects either yeah don't worry he, so he's probably better at it than i would yeah. know but brian smoller said they're good so i'm just gonna take his word for it because <laughs> he he's a pretty smart guy so i I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh what we can see next year from this volleyball team because i think that on paper right now i think with the pieces we have coming back and who we know is leaving, which right now all we know is leaving is Sydney Bolding. Because she's out of eligibility. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she just can't play anymore, like, even if she wanted to. So we um, should be a tournament team next year, given how we finished this season and uh, the, the amount of talent that we have. So disappointing end to this year, but I think we'll be back stronger. <laughs> heavy knock on wood there but yeah it, it sucks that the season's over but you know we got rpi'd again and uh to make sure that i don't end up punching a hole through the wall and losing the security deposit i'm not going to talk about rpi anymore i actually broke one of my shot glasses whenever k-state was uh not announced to be in the ncaa tournament but that's neither here nor there <laughs> but now we can go into men's catskitball only one game to talk about, and that is up against Oral Roberts. Going into this game, they were 2-3. and three. K-State ended up beating them in overtime, 88-78. Uh, to 78. If I sound unhappy by this, if I sound unhappy with uh, with this result, uh, <laughs> um, I'm telling you, it's because I am. This was, um, I think you and I said it pretty well, you know, not to give us too much credit or anything, uh, but after we watched the game, you and I both went, wow, if we lost that, we would have felt a whole lot angrier, but if, like, we won it and we felt nothing, which I feel like that's almost worse. Yeah, uh, it's been a really 
it's been a lot of a letdown so far, I think, for men's basketball this season. I think it's something we probably should have expected, losing Quez Glover, not having Naquan Tomlin still, and also it just being uh, difficult to replicate the kind of success that we had last year. That's a difficult thing for most programs to do. But I still don't think it's acceptable to struggle the way that we did uh, against an Oral Roberts team that admittedly is pretty dangerous because they have some great scorers and we have not been good defensively this year. Uh, But we still should not have struggled to the degree that we did. That was wildly disappointing uh, that we just couldn't really figure it out uh, and we just couldn't hold them off but a win is a win but it's not inspiring and I, I, I think it shows that we very clearly need Naquan Tomlin back and we probably need Quez Glover back to provide at least something off the bench but there are some pretty solid offensive performances in this game it's just man we really need to figure it out defensively it seems like when we're engaged defensively we're pretty good but we're just not often engaged on the uh, defensive side of the ball but when push comes to shove and we really lock in we were playing some fairly decent defense cam carter had a few really really good possessions defensively uh in overtime but it just wasn't we should have seen more of that before we went to overtime uh not when it was desperation time yeah, I. Oh boy, I, I, I just don't like talking about this game because, like it, it really kind of made me sad that in the moment we're like, wow, if we lose this game, we'll be miserable. We won the game. I still don't want to talk about it. And to me, this is the definition of escaping a game. We should have immediately sprinted out of our own gym, and just got the hell out (laughs) because this was an escape game to me which granted this tuesday was a weird day for college basketball because ku struggled with eastern illinois of some people but you know you can sometimes you have games that you just lay an egg sometimes you have games that you don't play very well the problem is it's becoming we either play awfully or we look like we're the best team in the country and we're playing awfully more than we are with the latter. But you want to take starters? Yeah. So tied for leading scorer for K-State was Tyler Perry. He finished with 20 points, although it took him a while to even break into the uh, scoring column. He was very cold to begin this game. But he finishes 5 of 15 from the field, 4 of 12 from 3, and 6 of 7 at the free throw line. He was very clutch down the stretch. Uh, especially late in the second half uh, when we really needed someone to just start making shots. Uh, He was there and he was able to do it, but he is still going through a lot of cold stretches. But if he continues to show up when we need him, I I can live with that to a degree. Uh, Three rebounds, six assists to one turnover and a steal. So all in all, a pretty solid stat line, although I'd like to see some more consistent play from Tyler Perry. I'd like to see him get that three-point percentage up to around 40 as opposed to being in the low 30s. Uh, Cam Carter, he had 19 uh, in his own right, 6 of 13 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, 
four of five the free throw line. He added ten rebounds, so he got a double double in this game. Actually, I think it was his first double double in a K State uniform. I think you're, you're almost certainly right. I, I I think that they said that on the broadcast, but even if they hadn't, I can't remember a time where he would have even gotten close in the past. So I'm just gonna believe you. Uh, he. <laughs> Did get three fouls, but he had five assists to three turnovers, and he added three steals as well. Um, Cam Carter, I think maybe the best thing that he's done so far this year is show that he is just so much better at finishing in transition uh, and just finishing at the rim in general. Uh, His three-point shot has gotten a lot better as well, but his consistency around the basket is a huge reason why he's become a much better player for K-State this year. Uh, Day-Day Ames, he was in the starting lineup again. He played 33 minutes and had 11 points. 4 of 9 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3, made his two free throws. Then he had one assist to two turnovers and added a steal. Will McNair played 23 minutes and had 11 points, 5 of 8 from the field, 1 of 2 at the free throw line. He had four rebounds, two fouls, had one turnover and a block. And then David Gasson rounded out the starting lineup. Not much of an offensive threat, only had one point. Missed all three of his free th- of his field goals. Was one of two at the free throw line. But he did have eight rebounds, including three of them offensive, and he had five assists as well to just one turnover and added a block. So David Gasson's having a really weird season right now. <laughs> that's that's generous. That's that's probably the yeah. best way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it feels a lot worse than it probably actually is. Yeah, because when he does mess up, it's very bad. But he uh, substitute bad for funny. Yeah, that I guess that is tr- the pop they're, flies. There's they're synonyms here, <laughs> but he's been a great rebounder all year, and he's been making the little plays that we need offensively. He's not going to be our main scorer or a playmaker really offensively, but he's doing the little things that we need, and he's very versatile defensively. So he's having himself a good year, and he's also really efficient around the rim for the most part. Uh, just not his best scoring night uh, against Oral Roberts, but generally we can count on him for at least a few automatic layups a game. Uh, so kind of still a, a rough start to the season in terms of having his uh, his moments, but he is still quietly filling the stat sheet and five assists as a big man. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. In terms of off-the-bench production, Arthur Kaluma came off the bench, played 35 minutes, 7 of 13 from the field, 1 of 3 from 3, uh, made all five of his free throws, totaled 8 boards, 1 foul, 1 assist, 2 turnovers, 2 blocks, 20 total points. So second-leading scorer coming off the bench. Then Buddy Rich, 10 minutes, 2 of 3 from the field, 4 rebounds, 1 foul, 1 turnover, 4 total points. Then Jarrell Colbert, six minutes, one of two from the field, two rebounds, one turnover, two points. R.J. Jones came in, attempted a single three, refused to elaborate, and then left. So, <laughs> yeah, it, in terms of bench production, the major one is Arthur Kaluma, um, who's been in and out of the lineup. Some say injury, some say other things. Uh, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say injury. but Yeah, this one, I'm less inclined to think it's like anything weird other than the only honestly what i believe it might be is uh jerome tang just messing around with the starting lineups and trying to see what works and what doesn't and i i think that maybe doing stuff like that indicates that naquan tomlin will be back hopefully soonish 
Uh, because I think that this team could get a lot better if Naquan Tomlin is back out on the floor. But uh, Kaluma, it was definitely weird and jarring to see him come off the bench, but he played 35 minutes. So I, it's probably not injury related. It probably isn't like, discipline related if he's playing 35. Yeah. But Could just be an experimentation thing like you were saying. Yeah, I think that could be it. Uh, maybe he's just rewarding Day Day for like a good week of practice or something like. It could be anything, but Kuma, this was a really good game for him. I thought uh, he he looked really effective and the shot selection was a lot better. I uh, made all five of his free throws. He has come a long way from those first couple of games where he just really really struggled, and I I think that he's doing much much better now. And hopefully he continues this level of play because he has looked the part of what we were expecting the last few games. Yep. So the next men's basketball game is up against Villanova in the Big 12 Big East battle. Never mind, it's up against North Alabama on December 2nd, this Saturday, which is Operation Santa. So it's a good cause. Go to the game. Then we play Villanova in the whiteout game, just skipping over North Alabama, I guess. Uh, it's going to be a tough one. Villanova, who did they beat earlier this year? Um, I can't remember who they beat. I know they lost to Penn on the road, but they're still a top 25 team uh, as of now. They're number 18. And uh, so they, they, they beat Texas Tech by 16. They beat Maryland by 17. They beat North Carolina in overtime, and North Carolina was 14th. They have a victory over Memphis. Although they uh, they did just lose yesterday to uh, St. Joseph's, uh, so it's it's been a bit of a mixed bag uh, so far for Villanova. But they're still a, a talented team, and there there's a lot of guys there that we're gonna have to uh, keep track of. They they have a lot of scoring options, and they're they're still really quality. Even though Jay Wright isn't the coach there anymore, they're they're still good. Yeah. Now we can go into the women's basketball team. As everyone listening knows, that we're massive women's basketball fans. We're gonna kind of breeze over a lot of these since two of them are old and one of them is a loss. But um, the first game, which was all of these were shown on Flow Hoops, so no one on earth ever saw them except for the first half of uh, of the Iowa game through undisclosed and untalked about means. Uh, <laughs> K-State ended up beating Western Kentucky in the first round, 77-61. I believe we played them last year, and we beat them by more. But <laughs> this was a really big uh, Serena Sundell game. I'll just go right into the the, <laughs> the the starters, even though we I think we emptied the bench. <laughs> uh, Serena Sundell played 29 minutes, 8 of 13 from the field, made both of her uh, threes, 3 of 4 from the free throw line, 6 rebounds, including 2 offensive rebounds. Two fouls, four assists, two turnovers, two blocks, 21 total points. So big game for Serena. This was a big tournament for Serena. Serena's finally finding her legs here. Uh, Yoki played 20 minutes, six of eight from the field, four of five at the free throw line, three rebounds, three fouls, two turnovers, two blocks, one steal, 16 points. Riley Glenn, 15 minutes, four of seven from the field, 0 of one from three, got two rebounds, three fouls, one assist, one steal, eight points. Gabby Gregory still hot and cold to begin the season. I still think she'll probably shoot her way out of it at some point. Uh, three of seven from the field, 0 of four from three, one of two from the free throw line. Did get nine rebounds, three fouls, five assists, five turnovers, and uh, one block and one steal for seven total points. 
And then Jalen Glenn, 35 minutes, 1 of 5 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3. 1 of 2 from the free throw line, 6 rebounds, 3 fouls, 4 assists, 3 turnovers, and a steal. So turnovers not what you want from the starters, especially from, you know, Gabby Gregory and Jalen Glenn, who Gabby is kind of playing a versatile role. She can kind of do a little bit of everything. So you really want to lower those turnover numbers. It, it didn't hurt us. We won by 16, but... <laughs> You know, you still want to get those numbers down, probably get the shooting numbers a little bit up. Yeah. Then uh, getting to the bench players, um, only a handful of uh, significant contributors here. Uh, Zayana Walker, she scored seven points in 15 minutes uh, on three of eight from the field, had three rebounds, uh, no assists, two turnovers. Terrence Sides came off the bench as well, played 17 minutes, had six points, uh, two of three from three. She only attempted threes. Uh, and then had two fouls, three assists, zero turnovers, and three steals. Then Giselle Sanchez uh, played 15 minutes, had five points, two four from the field, finally made a three-point basket, one of two from three, and then had five rebounds, one foul, one assist. Heavenly Greer had two points in nine minutes with two rebounds. Uh, Jamia Harris played four minutes, had two points on one of two from the field, and missed a three. And then Eliza Moppin, Amani Lester, and Rebecca Dollinger all played and didn't score. None of them attempted a field goal either. Eliza Moppin and Rebecca Dollinger each had a rebound mm-hmm. as well. And that pretty much rounds it out. But pretty solid performances from Walker, Sides, and Sanchez, who kind of seem to be the main reserves. Although we've seen Greer and Moppin, uh, dependent on matchups, um, get some, some more playing time. I, I think that we're really trying to find the post player to fill in for Yoki who fits the best and because I mean we have Sanchez we have Greer Moppin and Lester and they've all played been playing some but none of them have really separated themselves except for Sanchez who is probably the best scorer of the bunch just because she's so versatile but in terms of the true post players like Greer Moppin and Lester uh, they've all had their moments this year but none of them have really separated yeah Plus, you have the three fouls for Amani. So she she may be trying to get used to just not playing bully ball. Yeah, that's probably part of it. Yeah, cause she, yeah three fouls in five minutes, not the best. But the, there has been worse. Uh, on record, there has been we, worse. We watched worse. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the Western Kentucky game. And then there was a ranked matchup up against the, at the time, undefeated North Carolina Tar Heels. Ended up K State ended up winning sixty three to fifty six. Ended up game ultimately ended up coming down to the wire. We didn't nearly empty the bench as much, but Connor, this time you get starters. Yeah, Serena Sundell led in scoring again, sixteen points this time, four of seven from the field, one of three from three, and seven of ten at the free throw line. She added five rebounds, five assists, six turnovers, and a block. I still like to get the turnovers down again, but really quality team in North Carolina. Uh, then Aoka Lee had 14 points, 5 of 9 from the field, 4 of 4 from 3. 12 rebounds, so she gets the double-double. Had 4 fouls, 1 assist, 2 turnovers, and a block. Gabby Gregory added 6 points of her own, 2 of 5 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3, and then 1 of 2 at the free throw line. Had a rebound, 1 foul, 2 assists, 1 turnover, 1 block, 1 steal. So doing a bit of everything, like Ace said earlier. Bradley Glenn only played 10 minutes, but had three points, one of three from the field, one of two from three, two rebounds, one foul, uh, zero assists, two turnovers. 
And then Jalen Glenn played 38 minutes, did not have a great offensive day. Just two points on one of eight from the field, 0-5 from three. But did add five rebounds, one foul, one assist, two turnovers, a block, and a steal. So pretty similar to Gabby Gregory doing a little bit of everything uh, off the ball. But And then also both the Glenn twins you can always count on to play. Great defense. Uh, but uh, Serena Sundell again leading the day uh, for K-State. Yeah. Which, funnily enough, the second leading scorer was someone we just talked about, and that is Gisela Sanchez. Played 20 minutes, 5 of 7 from the field, made her one free throw or a three-point attempt, 4 of 6 from the free throw line, 5 boards, 2 fouls, 3 turnovers, 15 total points. So this she contributed a lot this game, especially towards the back end. Uh, Zayana Walker, 22 minutes, not her day, 1 of 6 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3. Did get 6 rebounds, 4 fouls, 3 turnovers for 3 total points. Then Taryn Sides played 10 minutes, only made two free throws, got two boards. Uh, one foul, three assists, two turnovers, two total points. Imani Lester, three minutes, one field goal, one rebound, two points. Then Heavenly Greer played four minutes, fouled, proceeded to refuse to elaborate and left. But, uh, you know, you'll take the bench production, especially from Gisela, who I think you and I have... Okay, I have been quietly waiting to to break out of the shell after shooting 40% at FIBA and shooting not 40% here at K-State after a really good performance up against Pitt State in the exhibition. But this was her kind of breaking out of her shell a little bit. She had a really good game. Then, of course, the Glenn Twins had anyone that was had the misfortune of being put up against them into a blunder. So, <laughs> now the big one. <clears throat> The rematch up against Caitlin Clark and Iowa. Iowa ended up walking away victorious, 77-70. to uh, Caitlin Clark would be sure to let you know. It only took her three tries to finally beat this team. But <laughs> she got 32, so maybe I shouldn't talk that much. But, I mean, she got, like, upper 20s every single time. But in terms of starter production, uh, Yoki, 34 minutes, 8 of 13 from the field, including 87 and a half hat, like, time she was hacked so you know probably should have gotten more free throws than six but even then she was oddly off at the free throw line two of six uh seven rebounds only one foul three turnovers one block again she was getting hacked the entire game and just wasn't getting called uh it wasn't as bad as when we were at iowa still pretty bad (laughs) uh serena but then again when you're a star player and complain a lot you get the calls uh that that's not me complaining about it that's just me stating a fact uh, <laughs> Serena Sundell, 8 of 14 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, 6 rebounds, 2 fouls, 6 assists to 1 turnover and 1 steal, 18 total points. Gabby Gregory, 28 minutes, 3 of 8 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3, 5 rebounds, 1 foul, 7 assists, 8 total points. Jalen Glenn, 33 minutes, 2 of 4 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, uh, two, no, 1 rebound, 4 fouls, 2 assists, 2 turnovers, 1 steal, and Again, arguably some of the best defense in the Big 12. Uh, she, I'm already calling my shot that she should be the defensive player of the year for women's basketball if this continues. <laughs> in the Big 12, I should say. I'm not sure. If, is there a national defensive team? Uh, I think there is. Well, there should be, and she should be on it. But <clears throat> sister, Briley, 14 minutes, 1 of 3 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, 2 rebounds, 1 foul, 3 total points. So, again, you... You'll take this production. You, It's becoming a common theme. I don't want to dog on her, but we need more from Gabby. 
we need a lot more from Gabby. And uh, Serena taking a step up is helping, but you still you need to have Gabby averaging double digits, especially in big games like this. Even if she is making clutch shots towards the back end. Yeah, we definitely need more from Gabby Gregory. Uh, especially the free throw line. 0 of 2 is pretty uncharacteristic. Last year she was pretty good at the line. This year was uh, just hasn't been the same really anywhere shooting the ball. And in general, free throws were what cost K-State this game. Aoka Lee was an uncharacteristic 2 of 6, like you said. Gregory going 0 of 2 was surprising. If K-State was only 4 of 11 uh, in this game at the free throw line overall. Which is the difference. That, the score. Yeah, which, yeah, that was the difference. That, that was the difference in... That uh, that that matters. But Zayana Walker though, she did have a good game. She went five of seven from the field, one of two from three. She had eleven points, one rebound, three turnovers, and then a steal. Gisela Sanchez played twenty six minutes, had five points, two of eight from the field, one of one at the free throw line. Uh, she had five total points, but ten rebounds, which was pretty, uh, pretty good. We haven't seen that much rebounding from her this year yet. Uh, then two fouls with two steals. Eliza Moppin only played two minutes, but she uh, was very busy in those two minutes. She had one point, one of two from the free throw line, and then added two fouls, two turnovers, and a block. So she was doing quite a bit. Terrence Sides only played six minutes in this one, but she was 0 of 1 from three, two rebounds, one foul, one assist, one turnover. And Heavenly Greer played one minute and had a foul. Refused to elaborate and left. (laughs) So not a... Awful game from the bench. We really only went seven deep in this one, other than when Moppin Sides and Greer played some scattered minutes. But this was a very winnable game that K-State kind of let slip away. Uh, Just a couple of bad quarters were what doomed K-State. The first quarter went pretty poorly, and the third quarter went pretty poorly. Uh, K-State won the second quarter and just barely won the fourth quarter. But free throws were what sunk K-State and this one that and Iowa shooting much better from three particularly Caitlin Clark she went seven of 16 uh from three in this game this was a a game that maybe K-State should have won but kind of let get away from them yeah which is so strange to say that yeah we probably should have beat the number five team in the country but you know Caitlin Clark got hers it you know she got hers every single time but I, I still think that it's very funny she stuck her tongue out at the K-State bench. Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing to do in general. That's that's not a, a taunt that I'm overly familiar with. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that game. Yeah, so I I was a little surprised to, to hear them say that on the uh, on the broadcast. But you do you, I guess, whatever works. I mean, she's scoring like 30 a game, so it is what it is. I mean, like when, when you're probably one of the best, if not the best, player in women's college basketball history you can kind of just do that but i also reserve the right to just kind of shrug my shoulders okay (laughs) (laughs) i okay sure (laughs) whatever you want but that is all the games that have happened the day this releases there is a game for the midi cats women's basketball team uh, up against Jackson, Jackson, Jackson State in Manhattan, Kansas, six thirty. So if you're not doing anything else, you're nearby. Go see the team. This, I, we, we've been banging this drum for a long time. This is the team that deserves. Well, they all deserve support, but this one especially deserves 
all of the love and all the attention in the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first home game in a while, it seems like. Yeah, first one since uh, November 19th. I think this is only the third home game of the year. Yeah, it is. Uh, so they've K-State has not played a ton of home games yet. So we're about to get a nice streak of five in a 20-day span. Uh, so plenty of opportunities to get out there uh, and watch the Cats. Uh, a couple of them on weekends or Fridays. So plenty of opportunities. Plus they have the game in St. Joe uh, against Mizzou coming up here on December 9th. But so there's um, a nice, comfortable home stand for K-State after a lot of traveling to start the year. Yep. So no wacky segment. However, there is a, a little a little bit of news. Eh, we'll, we'll say it's news, but we'll guise it under the, the, the play of gloating. It's like, Connor, how does it feel to have a, an established offensive coordinator at a, the uni- uh, you know Kansas State University? You know, it feels really great to have an offensive coordinator that was offered a job elsewhere, but just genuinely loved K-State so much that they couldn't even think of leaving and didn't have to, you know, in the past make public comments about not wanting to leave and being happy where you were and then leaving anyways. I I think that says a lot about K-State's offensive coordinator and about K-State's football team and our staff in general and how much they like being around each other. And, Wow, they're they're just genuinely good people, but I I wish the best for everybody else in that department. Yeah, I don't know who he'd be referring to, but it really is awesome being the premier university in Kansas and having your your staff uh, stick together, even though you know some other jobs may come knocking. And your offensive coordinator treats them as just that, you know, just some other jobs. But you know, not everyone can be as great as us. I wonder what that feels like. Yeah. There's going to be, like, the two KU friends that we have that listen to the show are probably not going to be particularly happy with this comment, are they? <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> but, Connor, do you have any final notes? Um, no, I don't. I don't either. So thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us just about anywhere at Aggieville ACATS. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I'm at ACEdward00. I'm at Connor Baltazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store. Link in our podcast and Twitter bios. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Or come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.